Welcome to the Financial Finesse Podcast, where we'll be discussing tips on how to handle your money and life with skill and style. Your host, Kathy Curtis, CFP, has been helping make finance accessible and intriguing for women for almost 20 years. You'll get savvy, actionable ideas listening to her conversations with some of the coolest and smartest women on the planet. And now, here's your host, Kathy Curtis. Hi, I'm Kathy Curtis. In today's episode of Financial Finesse, we're going to be talking about all things charitable giving, including insights on how much to give and how to give strategically to maximize your tax savings. A lot of my clients are charitably inclined and want to include giving in their financial plan. Since I thoroughly understand my clients' personal finances, I can provide more specific guidance as to how they should think about giving and how to incorporate it into their financial plan. But if you're listening to this podcast, episode because you're also looking for answers to these questions, I can still offer some nuggets of wisdom without knowing the details of your financial life. So keep listening. Let's start with how much to give to charity. Of course, one key consideration is how much you can afford to give. But I've also found it helpful in guiding clients is sharing statistics on how much others give to charity. And as it turns out, there's a psychological explanation as to why this is helpful. It's a psychological phenomenon called information social influence. And it occurs when people don't know the correct or best action to take. So they look to behavior of others as an important source of information. When it comes to charitable giving, Americans tend to be pretty generous. According to the data from Giving US Foundation, the average individual donation among all income levels in 2020 was 2.5% of income. That means that someone that has an income of 100,000 is giving $2,500 a year. Meanwhile, individual households earning over 200,000 per year give a more significant percentage, not surprisingly an average of 4.5%. So besides being charitably inclined, there's a financial reason why a person may choose to give a meaningful percentage of their income to charitable organizations, and that is the U.S. tax code provides incentives for taxpayers to make charitable donations by allowing them to deduct these gifts from their taxable income. Of course, there are rules and regulations as to who can deduct such donations and to what extent. I'll expand on these nuances in just a bit, but first let's talk about ways to choose which organizations to give to. Just for reference sake, the type of charities that tend to receive the most contributions include religious, educational, human services such as food banks, disaster relief organizations, and homeless shelters, or health-related charities such as hospitals and medical research centers, or arts and cultural charities such as museums, orchestras, or theater groups. However, you can give to any charity that's registered as a 501c3 organization to be eligible for a tax deduction. What that is, is a tax-exempt nonprofit that must operate 
exclusively for religious, charitable, scientific, literary, or educational purposes. And in addition, the organization must not engage in political or lobbying activities or provide private benefits to any individual or group. You may already support a number of charitable organizations with your donations, or you may be interested in giving to a charity, but you don't know where to start. Fortunately, there's a variety of databases that can help you find a legitimate organization that's aligned with your values and philanthropic goals. The last thing you want is to give to an, or an organization that doesn't use your money correctly. Two of my favorite databases are Charity Navigator and GuideStar both of which have a wealth of information about charities, ratings on them, financial information on them. And you can also search for nonprofits by location, mission, types of work, et cetera. Good place to start. Then spend some time thinking about the issues or causes you care about and find those organizations that impact those issues the most. If you're looking to make an impact with your donations, smaller organizations may have a greater need for your dollars than larger. You may want to also want to take advantage of an opportunity to give to a local organization, such as a theater or education group. I'll just give you an example. I donate to a local organization called Foodwise, headquartered in San Francisco. Their mission is to grow thriving communities through the power and joy of local food. Not only do I admire their mission, but I also was previously a board member, and I got a lot of pleasure from attending their fundraising events. Another example is a client of mine who donates to a swim club she belongs to that's organized as a 501c3. The swim club was renovating its clubhouse, so she donated dollars specifically to help get this project funded. Another client gives to a hiking club because she's an avid hiker. At this point, you may also be wondering how many organizations you should donate to. Is it better to donate to one charity or spread your donations among several? Again, I believe this is a personal decision, but everyone's approach to giving will be a little different. One suggestion I do have is to try and give throughout the year rather than just waiting till year end. Not only will the charities appreciate it, but you also won't feel as overwhelmed or rushed towards the end of the year. So I mentioned earlier that there are incentive for taxpayers to give to charity, but there are also a variety of rules and guidelines you must be aware of to reap all the tax benefits. The first thing to know about charitable giving and taxes is that you must itemize on Schedule A of Form 1040, which is the federal tax return, to deduct your charitable donations for the year. Your total Itemized deductions must exceed the standard deduction we all get for you to re reap the tax benefit of giving to charity. In 2023, the standard deduction is $13,850 for single individuals, and for married couples, it's $27,700, it, and it's $20,800 for heads of household. If you typically take the standard deduction and the amount you give to charity each year doesn't push you over the threshold to itemize, don't worry. I'm going to share with you some strategies that can help you to get over that threshold and save some tax dollars. This strategy, one of them, is called bunching. 
Not a very technical name, I know. But suppose you're a non-itemizer. You just take the standard deduction on 1040, but you get very close to the standard deduction because you max out on your state and local taxes, which is at 10,000. And then you may have mortgage interest or some other category. You're a good candidate perhaps for bunching, which, and I'll take you through an example to explain it. Suppose you're, you're a single taxpayer and you usually give 3,000 to charity annually. Your other qualifying itemized deduction, such as state and local taxes, mortgage interest, medical or medical expenses, amount to 10,000. And so you have a total of 13,000 in deductions if you add that 10,000 and that 3,000. So this will not take you over the standard 13,850 deduction. So you take standard deduction. But let's say instead you give two years of your charitable budget in this case, for this person, that would be $6,000 in one year. Your total deductions, 10,000 plus 6,000, would exceed the standard deduction. So it would make more sense for you to itemize. If you're in the 24% tax bracket, for example, your tax savings for charitable donations would be $516 for that year. This strategy or something similar can be repeated over time, creating multi-year tax savings. So what this means is you don't start giving 6,000 every year when, when you normally give 3,000. What you do is you, you give 6,000 in one year, you skip the next year, and then you give 6,000 in the next year. So that you're staying with your, your amount that you feel comfortable with, but you're, every other year you're getting a tax benefit out of it. There's many variations on this theme, but that's an example. So another um, strategy that can be repeated over time is utilizing a donor advised fund. So a donor advised fund is a registered 501c3 organization that can accept cash donations, appreciated securities, or meaning stocks, and other non-cash assets. And um, I'll use an example to explain this. So it's suppose instead of writing checks like this previous person did for 6,000 to various charities, you transfer $12,000 worth of Apple stock with a cost basis to you, you bought it at $35 a share into your donor advice fund. Right now, the stock is worth $160 a share. On the day that you donate, it's worth $160 a share. You get to take a deduction for the full 12,000 worth of Apple stock that you send into the donor advised fund on that year's tax return. And you, you not only get a tax deduction, you avoid paying capital gains tax on that difference between the, what, the $35 you bought it for and the 160 it's worth now. You would never have to pay that. So that amounts to a total savings of $1,400. Once you donate your shares to the donor advised fund, the fund sponsor will sell the shares tax-free to anybody, and then the proceeds can be invested in a more diversified manner to grow tax-free tax over time. Plus, you can designate charities you want to receive the grants from the donor advised fund in that year or going forward. Like bunching, 
Donating to a donor advised fund allows you to take a potentially larger tax deduction in the year you make the donation. Yet, unlike bunching, you don't have to decide which charities to donate to right away. Instead, you can donate your $3,000 a year as planned each year from funds in your DAF. So in this case, with the 12,000, that person is pre-funding four years of their normal charitable giving, four times 3,000. So what they could do is plan to skip the next three years and not donate anything, and then do another 12,000 donation in the fourth year. And this will result in greater tax savings over longer periods. On my uh, website, curtisfinancialplan.com, there's a really helpful decision matrix that can help you determine if donating to a DAF, donor advised fund, makes sense for you. Be sure to check the show notes for a link to this helpful resource. Okay, now I'm gonna talk about a third strategy, and this applies to people that are a little older. It's called Qualified Charitable Distributions, or QCDs. So let's say you're at an age where you're required to take minimum distributions from your retirement accounts or RMDs. You may not want the extra income because you have to pay tax on it, and it may push you into a higher tax bracket. Now, these are this is for people who don't actually need that income to live on. So the IRS allows you to donate your RMD to charity, up to $100,000 annually, tax-free. This strategy can help you lower your taxable income in the current tax year. Plus, since RMDs are calculated based on your account balance, it may also lower your RMDs and therefore your taxable income in future years. Keep in mind, as always, there are rules that you must satisfy to make this um, a non-taxable distribution. So most importantly, it's almost they're trying to trick you. (laughs) The IRS considers the first dollars out of an IRA to be your RMD until you meet your annual requirement. To get the full tax benefit of a QCD, Qualified Charitable Distribution, be sure to donate the funds directly from your IRA to charity before making any other withdrawals from your account. In addition, your IRA custodian meaning the place where your IRA is held, will require you to complete and sign a form that details your QCD distribution so they can send a check to the charity of your choice. In some cases, your custodian may allow you to write the checks against your IRA. Just be aware that your checks must clear before year end so the charities must actually cash them and show up that cash in your account so it pays to do this way ahead of the end of the year. Key thing to remember is that the you cannot pull money from the IRA, pull it into your bank account, and then send it out to charities. It has to go directly from your IRA to the charity. The last few strategies I'm going to share could be complex. So I'm going to give a high-level overview for now. If you choose to leverage one of these giving strategies, I'd encourage you to work with an attorney, tax expert, or financial planner to ensure you're using the best approach for your circumstances. The first one is charitable gift annuities. With the charitable gift annuity, you make an irrevocable transfer of money or property to a charity, meaning that's it. Once you do it, can't be undone. In return, 
the charity pays you a fixed income for the rest of your life for a specific term or a specific term. The fixed payment amount is based on several factors, including your age, donation amount, and current interest rates. You would receive a tax deduction for the initial donation and potential tax-free income from the annuity payments. When you die or the term ends, the charity retains the remaining assets for its mission. Here are some things to keep in mind when using this strategy. The gift cannot be undone. Once it's done, that's it. Annuity payments are fixed and don't adjust for inflation. And the annuity payments might be lower than a comparable annuity that is not a charitable one. All right, here's another um, somewhat complicated strategy called charitable remainder trusts or CRTs. A charitable remainder trust is a split interest giving vehicle that allows you to contribute assets to a trust and receive a partial tax deduction. The trust assets are then divided between a non-charitable beneficiary who receives a potential income stream for a term of years or life and one or more charitable beneficiaries. That's the split interest. There are two types of CRTs, a charitable remainder annuity trust, referred to as a CRAT, or a charitable remainder uni trust, referred to as a CRUT. Each has its own distribution method. CRTs have several benefits, including the preservation of highly appreciated assets, income tax deductions, and tax exemption on the trust investment income. In addition, you can donate a variety of assets, which include cash, securities, closely held stock, real estate, and other complex assets. They can also be established by will to provide for heirs with the remainder going to charities of the donor's choosing. But as, as I mentioned before, they can be complicated giving vehicles, so be sure to consult an expert first. Before wrapping this discussion up, I wanna note that this is by no means an exhausted list of tax smart giving strategies, but hopefully it gives you some ideas as to how you can make a bigger impact with your donations while maximizing your tax savings. A financial planner or estate planning attorney can help you determine which strategies make the most sense for you and implement them accordingly. Thank you so much for your time today. I hope you found this episode helpful as you pursue your philanthropic goals. If you'd like to learn more about this topic or other financial planning topics relevant to you, I encourage you to visit my website, www.curtisfinancialplanning.com for more helpful resources. In the meantime, please feel free to contact me or connect with me on social media and send me a note at kathy at curtisfinancialplanning.com. Bye for now.